0: Hi, I'm Michael Susie the director of The Vow, and uh, this is the director's commentary. So um, The Vow is uh, inspired by a true story of a young and recently married couple, um, Kim and Cricket Carpenter, who got into a, uh, a really devastating car crash shortly after they were married. And when she woke up out of a coma, um, she couldn't, uh, remember her husband at all. And, um, he, uh, he, he sought to, to win, win her back. And that's the, uh, the true story that inspired, uh, this movie, The Vow. A lot of things have been changed. Um, it wasn't, uh, I don't think we set out really to, to do a, uh, a true depiction of, uh, Kim and Cricket's lives, but, uh, their, um, their story inspired, um, It was a great starting point for for a beautiful love story. Um, This is uh, Chicago, where the story takes place. Um, Some of the film was shot, uh, most of the film was shot in Toronto, Canada, but some of it was shot in uh, Chicago, this scene in particular. And uh, actually, this scene um, was inspired by something that really happened to me. Um, I had been shooting another film up in Toronto called Grey Gardens, and um, it was uh, December and went into a, a bar. And when we uh, came out, uh, it had snowed. It, I mean, I think it was like there was no snow. When we walked in, and we came out, there was a, a, like six inches of snow. And it was, uh, it was actually a very romantic uh, moment in my life. And um, I thought that it would be a great way to open the film. And um, this is Channing singing meatloafs, Um I would do anything for love, which is kind of on the nose, but I thought would really work, particularly because of this line here, where he says he won't do that. So that's fun. And um, one of the things that that attracted to me the, to, to direct this story in the first place was the idea that um, this could really happen to anybody. This, um, I mean, we really, we really are the sum of our experiences and, and and those memories and that's what connects us i think to the people in our lives and if that goes away you know what do we have left and um a lot of times stories about memory sir um, um a lot of times stories about memory um, have to do with alzheimer's and getting old and the idea that this could happen to anyone at any point it's really I related to that And that's the moment the, the moment of impact, literally and figuratively. Um, and I really wanted to... There's been a lot of car crashes in a lot of movies, and I thought that the actual accident wasn't, um, you know, uh, the important uh, moment, but that moment when she goes through the windshield and her being thrust away from him, and uh, that, that's what I wanted to highlight in a really artful way. And uh, the first time we were mixing the sound for that and it played back, I mean, I was blown <laughs> backwards in my seat. It was so impactful. So um, it was beautiful. Mr. X was our visual effects uh, company in Canada, and um, Brendan Taylor was our visual effects supervisor and um, just uh, did a beautiful job. That was all that glass, by the way, was all computer generated in visual effects. We shot. Uh, in slow motion, obviously, and then the actors actually moved in slow motion to make it even slower. And then the glass was all put in afterwards. There was, it was an empty windshield um, that, that Rachel went flying through, and um, they even put a bloody scar on her face that appears, you know, again, as, as she bra- breaks through that windshield. So it took a lot of time to get that right, to give it color and depth and flow, and it was, it was an important moment to get right. Yeah. Well, I just this is the first flashback that we see. Obviously, it's when they, right, they first sure. meet in that moment uh, a second ago, and they kind of both looked back. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that before, but it's not necessarily when you spot somebody, but it's when you look back and they look back at you that you know that you've made some sort of a connection. And um, so I wanted to include that. Well, thank you. The studio originally said that uh, they had some kind of a rule where um, could have no hats. <laughs> Nobody would explain to me why we could have no hats. They didn't tell me if it was because you couldn't see their eyes or if yep. bad people wear hats, they wouldn't tell me, but they just said no hats. And I said, I need something to show, you know, Channing in a different light. And, you know, he has, like a, like a pocket chain. And it's supposed to, you know, it's a flashback, so it's, like, different fashion and not who he is in the rest of the of the movie. So this is the only scene where you see him wearing a hat.
1: <laughs> OK.
0: Uh, but I was Rachel's so cute in this scene. Originally, I had wanted her to be even a little bit more edgy and put this sort of bright red streak in her hair. We tested it, and the studio didn't like it, <laughs> so it's not in there. I mean, we didn't we we didn't shoot it on the day. Changed the wig. Um, yes, that's a wig. Rachel wears four wigs in the movie. It's very important the uh, um, the different wigs to. Established the different uh, aspects of her character and her personality and I think we'll talk about that as as we go forward and this is uh this chocolates come back a lot, of, a lot of things from this date come back later on in the movie when Channing um, asks her out again to try to rekindle her love <laughs> And uh, this is actually I think this might have been one of the f- second. I, I think this might have been the first day of shooting. Um, I think first day with Rachel, anyway. This uh, scene was actually inspired by one of my best friends, Charlie, who uh, he really did this for a girl. He she was sick, and he uh, delivered a box of pharmaceuticals uh, to her at work, and. It's like a care package, and I thought it was really adorable. I think that's one of the sexiest shots in the movie, chanting in the rain. Behind the uh, note, there's a little that she grabbed that said for later, there's a little gold tinfoil. So this, um, the farting in the car scene, um, the, uh, one of the the executives didn't really like this and wanted to, uh, wasn't so sure, thought we should cut it from the script, but it ended up being uh, cited by the test audience as one of their favorite, most memorable scenes, and the executive just slunk down in her chair, just mortified that, that, uh, that that was a favorite scene but this um another friend of mine rick is um his brother todd um totally this really happen happened to him that's how i guess at their wedding he said uh i knew i loved loved her when she rolled up the window when i farted in the car so again true life is uh sort of the best inspiration for these kind of anecdotes
2: we purposely keep patients
0: with traumatic brain injury. one of the things that uh happens to you when you're uh having this kind of severe brain trauma is that they um, the hospital will shave your head if they have because they actually have to drill, drill holes in your skull to uh, let some of the pressure out. Um, you can imagine if your brain's swelling and you have your skull there, there's nowhere for the brain. You know, it's like if your wrist swells or your elbow or your knee, it just swells. But if you have a, a you know bone around it, it's nowhere to go and it's very painful and can cause more damage. So they actually drill holes in your head. Well, it's You know uh not so attractive to have your leading lady have a shaved head and probes coming out of her head so we didn't do that (laughs) so there's your first uh phony hollywood moment uh this was uh that moment when when channing put the ring on on rachel's finger was like a really emotional moment um when we shot that scene it was really hard and that ventilator um you know he keeps Keeps the person in the coma breathing. So the fact that her chest is moving and looks like she's breathing is is, is correct. She's in a, the character's in a coma for about six weeks, which is you know not something that we had to highlight uh, with you know a, a subtitle or anything like that. Or ch- um, Chiron, but uh, that's the, the, if you look carefully at some of the scars and how they age or and get better, and it's all accurately done and. Le- the damage that Leo had had in the one scene where he, he found a ring, and the bruises, and the next time you see him, time has passed. It's all these little subtle things. Uh, there's an establishing shot later where the snow has receded, and it's all meant to show you um, subconsciously that time is passing. So, uh, yeah, the blueberry pancake move in moment. It's pretty adorable. This is their loft. This is, you can see a lot of things in the loft that don't appear later, because this is the Bachelor version with all the the band's drums. This. And those guys, uh, all of his friends that he lives with before she moved in. And another true inspired the moment. Um, I, my friends, uh, Andy and Justine, were, were married uh, on New Year's Eve uh, one year, and they had the most beautiful vows to each other. And um, I'm certainly, Rewrote them and changed, but changed them, but that was my uh, the inspiration that we used to uh, to rewrite um, sort of this moment. The writers, Abby and Mark uh, were f- fantastic. They wrote just a really beautiful um, story from from you know from Kim and cricket's original um, uh, inciting you know incident of the accident, and these little things that I'm throwing in there were little flourishes that. Uh, we included, but they're really responsible for writing the beautiful story and the dialogue. No matter what challenges might carry us apart. And the idea here was that um, they weren't traditional, they didn't want, this couple didn't, wasn't right for them to get married in a church, and they just had sort of their nearest and dearest to them, and uh, their friend is the, you know, the master of ceremonies that just felt right for this couple, and, uh, so we called it the Gorilla wedding.
1: Security. I now pronounce you man and wife, and best
0: friend, one. I think it just really, you know, shows their their love for, for life, and also in the same in the same reason it was important not to put Rachel in white. I mean, it didn't seem like she, that Paige would wear a white wedding dress. The idea that it was pink and vintage and a little bit different, I mean, just felt right for the characters. And, um... This is a famous landmark in Chicago called the Bean, but it's actually a cloud sculpture. And um, and those flowers that she has, those are all fabric flowers, me- meant to be fabric. Kind of, all the corners have. They're made with pinking shears, and our prop master made them. Again, something that that Rachel's character, Page, would have made for herself. My sister. Uh, and and brother-in-law are both artists. She's a uh, painter, and he's a sculptor, and Paige's uh, career here um, was really inspired by... uh, I mean, she was already an artist uh, in the script that Abby and Mark wrote, but um, in terms of the details um, of the set dressing and things like that, uh, really used uh, my sister and brother-in-law as inspiration, and uh, actually, their art appears later in the loft, in Paige and Leo's loft which we'll point out. But um, this set was um, really a, one, one of the original inspirations of the visuals that I put together whenever I'm doing a project. Uh, I assemble a bunch of photographs and use that as a template with the crew about how I want the, the movie to appear. And the windows in the background here are, um, you know, all these kind of industrial lead pane windows and, and just that look felt right. And it's one of the original photos. I love this moment where he's so, Leo's, you know, just so in love with her and supportive that he's talking about her, you know, uh, scrap pile (laughs) without knowing it. It's a really cute way to, I think, show his dedication to her.
3: You totally love me. Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: This is a... I think this is the first time coming up in the film right here that we hear their love theme, the that um, Rachel Portman, one of our two composers, wrote for the movie. It's she's um, I wrote, worked with Rachel Portman on uh, on Grey Gardens, and um, she just is wonderful to work with. And I wanted to work with her again, and it's a very interesting process how all of the the score for this film. Um, came together, um, we started with this, uh, this love mel- melody, and we used, you know, pretty traditional instruments to um, orchestrate it, but it didn't feel, um, although I loved it, it, something about it didn't feel right, and as time, you know, went on, we started really pulling back on the score, too big of a score, too classical of a score. It just sort of felt like a, a wet blanket that sat on top of the movie, and um, so we started, Pairing it back and using less instruments and started to use more interesting, different instruments, less strings and things like that. And um, eventually Rachel Portman uh, suggested bringing in Michael Brook, who uh, is another composer. And uh, it's very rare that you have two composers on a film or certainly the ones that work together, but that's what they did. And Michael's um, very gifted with guitar and he and Rachel work very differently. But um, basically, sometimes she'd write a melody, sometimes he'd r- write a, a cue, and then she'd embellish it, or he, you know, he'd embellish hers, and they would sort of kick it back and forth until, I mean, it was sort of took on its own life, and it was not no longer clear, you know, who who did what, and it was a true true collaboration, and uh, really kind of beautiful. So here we are uh, in the hospital after pages. Been, been woken up out of her coma when, uh, as it says in the movie is uh, Wendy, who played the doctor here, tells us that they actually put people into an induced coma um, to let their brains heal and then eventually they, they take them out of the coma and, and revive them and um, that's why she's kind of out of it. If you, This is an example here where you kind of see how her scars are uh, much less severe than they were earlier uh, when she went through that uh, MRI machi- or CAT scan machine. Um, when she was passed out and that little red laser went over her face, so you see the progression of the scars. You know, we shoot, you probably know this, but we shoot films completely out of sequence, and so keeping track of the severity of a scar or a bruise or things like that is, is, is pretty complicated in the makeup department and um, hair department. They, they they track all of these things very carefully so that they can make them... so that when it gets assembled, they it, it all... Is seamless um the a close-up there of her her wedding ring again a diamond didn't feel right for her so it's these little interwoven gold leaves um and felt more true to uh the type of ring that would they would have gotten for each other or he would have gotten for her
1: she doesn't remember me
2: even though she's awake the swelling can cause confusion or memory loss erratic mood swings
0: but that's nor- I was not at the screening when Kim and Cricket Carpenter first saw the film, um, but uh, they did come to the premiere, and I was, you know, they were with me, and that was great to have them there. But apparently, he—I forget if it was Kim or Cricket—but they uh, they said that these scenes in particular were, were very difficult for them to watch. And unbeknownst to us, apparently, it's exactly what he did. I think he went out in the hallway and just co- uh, collapsed against the vending machine, and so. Again, reality and fiction kind of came together there. Uh, Rohir is our our DP, Rohir Stoffers, and uh, some DP, cinematographer. It's all the same thing. And um, again, I, as I mentioned before, I always put together a, a, a lookbook for uh, all the crew to help uh, bring about the visual continuity, and how I want the, the the film to appear. And you know, Rohir did a actually bang-up job of uh, translating that visual reference to, to the film. And you can see the lighting out the window, the sort of like oranges and blues and those kinds of so uh, different colors. You'll, you'll see those repeating it was in the art scene that we saw earlier. You can see those out the window, and it's just this repeating uh, motif, um, the use of, of color and light to uh, create continuity and emotion. It takes too long to straighten, and you'd rather use that time to work in
3: your
0: studio. My studio? It's an interesting scene because, you know, Page's Rachel McAdams' character Paige, just, you know, is learning things about herself that, um, it's very, very confusing. One of the things that, um, that came in with casting, it was very important to uh, cast an actress who, uh, I guess, how do I say this, that had, really portrayed a lot, a lot of goodwill, because the character, from the point of waking up out of the coma until she starts to reconnect with Leo later in the film, um, frankly, on the page, sometimes felt like she could be a bitch, basically. And uh, we had to make sure that what came across was more of her um, struggle, and that you could still feel for her, even though she was disconnected from, from Leo. In fact, there was a, a moment of where the snow was receding, again, to show time having passed from the beginning of the movie when it was obviously a full snowstorm. And again, we're back with the friends um, who kind of, that sort of banter that you have with your close friends where they're, you know, kind of razzing you in a way, but trying to be supportive at the same time. And um, these are a lot of great actors. A lot of them are, come from sort of the improv, uh, world and they're, they're in comedy and um, it was important to be able to lighten up the film. But I, I ended up cutting this scene down a lot in editing because too many jokes felt, they almost came across as insensitive. So uh, following, you know, just learning that she's woken up. So the, that balance, I mean, that's what editing's all about, is, is how much how much of what do you need? In, in this scene, uh, Leo expects to be you know picking her up and and, and she's gone. And um, what's happened is is that uh, you know her parents have found out that uh, that she's gotten into this accident and they've come, and what Paige doesn't realize though, is that she's actually been, been estranged from them for for several years. And uh, we learn here that Leo's actually never met uh, her parents. sometimes uh, we, we build sets and sometimes we shoot in practical locations and uh, we try to make it all look uh, seamless and um, this was a, a, a all the hospital stuff was was a practical location um, but we did a lot of work to this room to to make it look a little bit richer um, than just your sort of generic uh, generic uh, hospital you, space you because know, it's supposed to be, be sort of like a the private private wing uh, the sooner she settles back into her we um, Consulted a a brain specialist uh, at the hospital in San Francisco. It's a friend of a friend, and um, she was excellent, um, Alyssa Jean. And she um, was uh, not only is she very very skilled uh, neurosurgeon, she also teaches, and so she was able to articulate and um, all the different uh, things that someone like. page would be going through at this point. helped us also with some of the ICU things and, and you know in her defense, we definitely took a couple of liberties, um, like I said, with shaving the head and things like that. But as long as I think you know you're doing those things, you're not doing them out of, of, of negligence then, or ignorance, rather. Um, I think you can get away with it. But she was very helpful, um, especially to, to Rachel McAdams in, in talking about, um, like for instance, in this scene, um really very sharp sharp headaches and people talking loud or even people just raising their voice slightly can feel to the person like they're screaming um and that's also another moment where you know when when paige says things like that you don't want the audience to check out from her emotionally you don't want them to think that she's being um like i said bitchy i think rachel really pulls it off and she really um really what walks that very very fine line um without by betraying what her character's going through without put, turning us off and i think that that's a um a real challenge and very 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 proud of rachel's work here and how she's able to do that
3: okay look what i remember is being in law school and being engaged to jeremy
0: Referencing Jeremy here, who's um, played by Scott Speedman, coming up later in the film, and um, it's very hard for, for Leo, Channing's character, to... to, to okay, to He's coming to realize, you know, that she really has forgotten him. Everything. At this
1: point... Everything. Is to go back to your life... with me, you heard what the doctor said. It's the best thing for your recovery.
0: This part of the, the, the hospital as a whole was actually... I think three, two or three different hospitals. Um, This particular area was actually a uh, um, institute for the blind, um, which is ironic because it's beautiful to look at. Cincinnati.
3: Do I keep a journal?
0: Uh, No, not that I know of. (laughs) This was uh, another scene that he had to really edit properly so that you saw um, Rachel's characters just frustration with the situation and not her being uh, mean in any way. And this is uh, again this is story through through costume. Um, this isn't something that that uh, this is something that Page, the sort of hipster page you know would wear and put together. That's why Leo brought it, but it's not something that the more conservative page would ever. Um, put on, so, again, just making her sort of feel uncomfortable and, and vulnerable. And, and actually, I remember Rachel feeling that way in the costume. She felt vulnerable, and I said, I know that's the point. <laughs> Especially relevant for the for the scene coming up after this at the surprise party, which is uh, why we wanted it that way.
3: Have a listen. Hey, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still at my studio. I miss you so bad. My sculptures are starting to look like you. So, what are you doing later? I kind of need some Leo
0: time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, call me back. <laughs> Love you. Uh, I, I Jessica know, I'm Lang. Listening. I invited her to, to come back and play, uh, exactly play Rachel's mean, mom and I was really honored uh, to have her
3: return. It's cute. I mean, I sound um, happy. <laughs>
0: I think this is important that, uh, you know, he doesn't have any pictures with them, and important to show Paige's character that uh, that she was, in fact, uh, happy. And it's it's confusing. It's a crossroads here. This is what I would consider to be the end of the, the first act, um, where, uh, you know, really, we've finished the setup of the movie and we're moving into, you know, the conflict stage when they... Um, and she chooses to come back with him and give it a shot. But she's torn.
1: Come home with me. I- We'll figure this out together.
0: Both Rachel and um, Channing are I guess I could not only great actors, but just beautiful people. And um, I think that they, the way that uh, Rohir right has lit them, and we photographed them it just, you know, every time we're close in on their faces, it's just you really, I don't know, they say that the window is the, I mean, the eyes are the window to the soul. and. It's true. I mean, you get in you, you get that close to them and you really 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 understand the emotion that they're going through. You look like a freak. Especially Rachel in that scene. Thank you. That's
2: great.
0: This was again a little small little flourish that uh, that I added to Mark and Abby's great script that um, On the north side. you know, I thought, well, they live in Chicago and she's lost a couple of I think three, I think I think it's 5 years of her memory. Country. And uh And they always, at first I started to think, what were the questions you'd ask if you woke up? And one of them would be, well, who's the president? And uh, I remember that in Back to the Future, there was like Ronald Reagan, the actor. But uh, in here she says, uh, you know, Obama, the the senator, because he was a senator from Illinois before he became president. Um, Welcome home. (laughs) This is another sort of tough moment um, because, uh, you know, Leo knows that there's this all these people here waiting in our apartment, but I don't think he needs, understood the size, the size of the surprise party, and uh, you know clearly, um, Paige, gets uh, you know overwhelmed, and this sort of backfires. We day at the
2: hospital, but uh, Leo didn't want us to overwhelm you.
0: Yeah, they were every day.
2: We really missed you. I gather we're we're close. I'm Sonia. <laughs>
0: So, not only has she forgotten Leo, but obviously she's forgotten everybody else from, uh, from the time... the time since she... Uh, that she's lost her memory. It's called uh, retrograde amnesia, when you um, can form new memories, um, but, uh, but not... Um, but you've lost a chunk of your memory. Um, unlike, I guess, I, I forget the name of the other kind of amnesia, but I guess Fifty First Dates that starred uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, she couldn't form apparently she couldn't form new memories. so that's a different kind of amnesia this um this loft that uh, Leo and Paige live in um, it was a um, a real location uh, in Toronto that we um, we did construction within, and built it out and made it into a into their home um, but uh, but it really, again, it's it's the same loft that he lived in with his, his, his friends earlier in the movie before before they moved in together. But uh, this was going to be, we knew this was sort of the centerpiece of the film. Um, a lot of times this would be something that you would build on a stage, but uh, we decided to use a real location and the authenticity of, of the uh, building. Toronto has a lot of this yellow brick, which I think is very attractive. You can't quite see it in this scene, but... Uh, um, I forget the reason why, but it's sort of a trademark of uh, Toronto architecture. This is actually, well, sort of one of my favorite scenes in the in the film dramatically. Um, I think Rachel is, they're both very strong, but I think this is just one of Rachel's best scenes. I mean, it was, again, when I was, the, the, again, that, that fine line between um, too bitchy and sympathetic. Um, this is a a case in point where we did the scene many different ways and we, um, edit in editorial, we, we Sorry. wove together the different beats so that it really had um, both sides of that in it, you know, that they're her aggression and frustration, but also her regret, and I think it came out beautifully. That's a painting behind their bed is One that I, that my sister did. This is the outside of the, of the same loft space. We often in film will use a different interior and exterior. Uh, But in this case, we, we married the two. Uh, And I love this moment. Uh, You know, the idea again that, uh, that she's forgotten different parts of, of who she is and uh, the fact that the first thing that she thinks of is that her mother's gonna be upset that she has a tattoo, I think um, it's very relatable. And this is uh, per the request of many of my friends when they found out Channing was gonna be in this film to please make sure we included as much nudity as possible. And um, the uh, during the filming of this scene, the first take, channing when you're filming a nude scene the actors aren't actually completely naked they wear something um i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say this or not but we basically affectionately call it a cock sock and it's uh basically not very attractive looking kind of like ace bandage sleeve that your junk goes in and then it kind of gets taped to your front so that from the back you look completely naked and but you're slightly covered anyway channing was wearing one of those and he uh and during the filming of that scene for the first shot with Rachel uh, shoved some sort of a, he has the prop department give him a, like a, basically like a flaccid dildo, which I don't know what anyone would do exactly with a flaccid dildo, but uh, he tucked it into the cock sock and then he like wiggled around and <laughs> did a little dance for Rachel and she screamed and laughed and then we did the scene again without it. But, you know, Channing's a big prankster and uh, it's one of the things that uh, made this movie really fun. Fun to shoot is uh I, I don't know. I'm just Channing constantly um playing little pranks. One of his favorite is to right as the makeup artist going in to touch up a little thing here or there on his face he goes arr, and bite pretends to bite her. <laughs> Gets her every time. No,
3: please. I'm sorry. I I don't want you to worry about me, okay? Just go about your normal routine and
0: This is the, you know, the first day back and uh Paige trying to settle in, discover who she is, and uh, and them getting to know each other, which is just awkward. I mean, it's sort of like this uh, extended first date, first blind date, setup type of a thing, and it just is awkward. But that's how it would be.
1: We usually get up and make coffee.
0: Kalina Ivanoff, our our production designer, as I said, did our built this. Uh, Real, completely raw um, loft space into this beautiful um, home for them, uh, and uh, there was really nothing in it—no no walls, no cabinets, no anything, uh, no lights—and um, and the way that she sort of transformed it from the the, the brief moment that we saw it with the uh, roommates into how it morphed into a, a more of a home for the two of them as opposed to just sort of a band practice uh, room it was it was really kind of brilliant, and the different pieces that she brought in, or it was, I mean, I'd want to live there. In fact, I ended up buying half the furniture we made. <laughs> Kept it for myself, because I loved it so much. Are you, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: fine. Okay, all right, well, you look, you're, got keys, phone here, if you need me.
0: And this is, Another one of my favorite moments in the movie when, right here, when he uh, can't really figure out whether hug her or yeah. shake <laughs> her hand, and I love that. It's great what Channing does there. I mean, you just see, every time you see him, you can just see his heart is breaking. And, uh, you know, when the way the casting came about, I. Uh, Actually, the very first meeting I had on this project, we talked about Rachel for this role. Um, but uh, I actually spoke to Channing first, um, and went to New York to meet with him. He was filming another another movie, and we had a great meeting. Really got along, and I had never met him. I had seen him in a couple of films and um, liked him, and thought he was, you know, a great. You know, a great, uh, great movie star. But I, I just didn't really know if he had the, the warmth because he had played sort of some cooler characters, some military characters and things like that. And so I, I was really want to meet him in person and he's such a warm guy, I mean he's as close, I think Leo's as close to Channing's true self as any character I've seen him play. And uh, I remember thinking he or saying to the studio, I said he's got a huge heart, this guy Channing and it's perfect for, for, for Leo. Um, but uh, unfortunately, he passed on the movie at first, um, which was too bad. But uh, a couple of weeks later, kind of heard through the grapevine from his agents that he was having passers remorse. So uh, it looked like the door was kind of open again. And uh, at that point, we were talking to Rachel and he was interested in working with her for sure. And, uh, and it all worked out. So sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work out at first and then it, and then it, then it all comes together. I'm glad it did. This is a um, a real recording studio in Toronto that we used. We enhanced it with set dressing, but uh, it's a real working studio. And we built uh, this is back in the loft. Kalina built um, all of those uh, beautiful shelves inspired by this uh, kind of French loft that we found.
3: To always hold you with tenderness, and to have the patience that love demands.
0: To speak um, these uh, vows. Obviously, we saw it earlier in the. When they got married, but they come back at the end of the film, and it was important to um, <laughs> sort of keep them alive in the audience's um,
1: always call
0: it home. consciousness because they're again they do play an important part at the end of the film, and thematically uh, throughout. And it, it was very interesting to watch Rachel's character watching herself um, in such an intimate moment, but being dissociated from it emotionally, and the way that, you know, those are in conflict when you see that here. This was that that shot right there that we just passed. There let will see it one more time uh, in an evening shot near the end of the film, but that was, uh, we were in, went to Chicago and we shot for a couple of days, and we were doing very well on budget, and they um, said, let's get some more Chicago stuff while we're here, and uh, normally when you're Doing a film, you plan out very um, specifically what's gonna be shot when and where, and you get permits and all that kind of stuff. And we had permits, but that particular shot, we, we we were a small kind of skeleton crew, and we all huddled up, literally, and I said, all right, you have 10 minutes. Everyone go a different direction and figure out how we're gonna get on the roof and get a shot and meet back here. And um, normally that's all done by location scouts, and the gaffer, who's the head lighting technician, looked at me and said, me too, I go? And I said, yeah, yeah, Rocco, you go. Rico, Rico. And I said, uh, yeah, and we did. And one of, somebody got us up to that roof and it turned out to be one of the best uh, sort of establishing shots of the city that we could have ever gotten. If we planned it, it wouldn't have been as good. So I love those little moments that, uh, in production. You see Channing, um, hobbling just a little bit in that shot. Somewhere in the middle of our shooting schedule, he uh, had an accident off the set. Um, We were playing full-contact co-ed indoor basketball. And uh, he cracked his foot. And uh, he, for the rest of the movie, had to cover up a limp. And um, it was tough. It was really tough. He he did really crack it. But he does a great job of hiding it. That was a just a little small moment there with Jessica Lang and, and, and picking up Rachel McAdams, but one side of it I shot one day and then the other side of it I shot three weeks later. And when you're trying to do something like that and match two different areas and it it's very always very frustrating. I don't think it sticks out, but it's something that I recognize. Yeah, um I forgot the phone and I don't So again, you know, hair and makeup and wardrobe uh, tell a very important part of the story here, and she's in this sort of uh, Club Monaco slash Banana Republic sort of dress, which obviously is not something that an artist sort of hipster page would ever wear. And it's hard for him to see her kind of coming back and just physically beginning to transform into something he doesn't recognize.
3: But right now, they're the only thing I'm sure about.
0: And I think that's an important line too, uh, about Rachel's state of Rachel's character's state of mind, um, that her family is the only thing that she knows and she feels comfortable with. And I love this moment when she says, "Aren't you going to change?" He goes, changing <laughs> under his breath. I love that.
3: It's just a left up here at the Caldwell's, and then a right at the cul de sac, and we're six houses in on the right. Oh, the Presley's
0: got a new mailbox, so cute. The Presleys were a family that lived in our neighborhood you know, when I was growing up. Exactly say I'm sorry I don't remember them getting a new mailbox, but it's sort of fun to bring in, uh, right. I don't know, friends from your past. And forget me
3: not.
0: That's funny. This but is uh, the forget-me-not joke. Is so, uh, wasn't sure if it was going to work. You know, I was in a screening the other night, though, and. Everyone laughed, so I guess it did. And my
1: sister's name is Gwen. I
0: know a lot of. So yeah, coming up here is uh, they're talking about her sister Gwen, uh, played by Jessica McNamee, Um, (laughs) who's an Australian actress, and her um, audition came in uh, on tape uh, to me in Los Angeles, and she just blew me away. Um, Not only does she look so much like Rachel McAdams, and she's been told that I guess many times apparently, her uh, her audition was just fantastic, and. the funny thing was, actually, when she showed up on set uh, and found out that Sam Neill would be playing their father, um, she said that her, her real father is always told that he looks like Sam Neill. So um, it all kind of worked out here.
1: Oh, please,
0: please. I think uh, hopefully there's going to be a little a bit of a a blooper reel. There was, during this scene, we did the very mature thing of putting a fart machine under the table and <laughs> letting it go off during the first take just to blow off some steam. Um, and the funniest thing is is that uh, none of the actors knew it was going to be there, and Sam said something like, it's coming from my end, <laughs> meaning his end of the table, but it was a really unfortunate choice of words. So the there was also a beat in the beginning of this scene. I mean, this is about Leo feeling out of place uh, thematically. And in the beginning of the scene, he's already seated at the dinner table, and men aren't supposed to, uh, to sit until uh, the women have been seated. Kind of sexist, but that's what Etiquette says, so we purposely sat him down and left the other men standing until uh, Jessica took her place. Subtle things like that that probably nobody notices, but uh, maybe a few do. And uh, again, this is a real house that we shot in, um, not a set, but we do a lot of things, uh, clean it, and uh, did a lot of things to, to, to change it, including uh, bringing in this uh, wallpaper, it was a a red, um, I think it was a red room, until we changed it, and then they put it back for the owners when we leave.
1: Look, you're not going to get that in your computer. You're going to want a live room, you're going to want to bounce the tape, you're going to I want real musicians in a room vibing off of each other. You, I guess to, to answer your question, it may be a dying field and um, you can record high quality stuff
0: at home. But <laughs> But even though this is a get the sunset, real house, it's an example of one of the scenes that I probably would have preferred to have been shot uh, on a soundstage. One of the things that you can do on a soundstage is you can remove walls so you can get the camera in and move it around, and uh, when you're in a, a real house, there's just not room to do that, so it uh, makes it a little bit more challenging. Anyway, oh, no, this was uh, the exterior there was in Chicago, but uh, the interior's in Toronto. It was a, a nightclub that has this kind of cool art deco vibe to it that uh, we thought would be kind of upscale. I think originally in the script, this was supposed to be like a TGI Fridays or something, but we... Uh, we didn't want to go that route. Uh,
3: sorry, Leo, these are my friends from high school. This is Shanna, Carrie...
0: This and this is a uh, important scene, because it's when we introduce Jeremy for the first time, uh, played by Scott Speedman, and uh, casting of Scott was uh, really very important, because, uh, you know, she, the, uh, the character of Jeremy is, you know, a rival um, against Leo for her affections, and... Um, Scott uh, is a, you know, also a leading man the way that Channing is, and if you, you know, had cast an actor in that role who didn't have that kind of stature, I think it sort of tips the balance, and you know that Paige is going to end up with Leo and not with Jeremy, and uh, so, like I said, it was important to cast somebody like Scott, who uh, audiences uh, see as a as a leading man. It was great to great to have him as part of the cast. This, uh, the music in the background is, uh, the artist Robin, who's, uh, one of my favorites.
1: Looks like she was some sweater-set-wearing, mojito-drinking sorority girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, uh, we get a, a memo from the legal department, um, that always, that we have to cover certain lines for airplane, uh, versions and television versions and things like that. And uh, sometimes we just dub the actor's voice over it, and other times we actually do alternate takes. And um, this was all um, uh, one scene, only uh, one shot, so there wasn't a way to sort of edit things out. And uh, and they give you a list of words that you can't use, and there's words on the list you can't use that I didn't even know. But uh, the, in that one, we had they asked us to cover a cock block. I couldn't come up with anything f- that meant cockblock but you know but wasn't dirty. I just couldn't think of anything. And so we used uh uh the line he says is uh so he's probably uh, so she's probably pretty upset that her stranger husband was cockblocking her all night. So we changed it to um was pretty upset that her stranger husband was <laughs> pencil jamming her all night. And unfortunately that the the G-rated version sounded a lot dirtier than cockblock, so we just left cockblock. <laughs> Um, we shot in a real, real train in Chicago there. And this was a really cool, um, law office in Toronto that we used as Jeremy's, uh, office. Because I've been dealing with these people forever, and I know... That, that our work on the wall there is also Laurel Susie original. Very proud of my, my sister's work. And, um... I think the day we were shooting this, uh, there was like an air show going on or something, and so like there were these jet fighter pilots <laughs> flying outside the windows. So, we sometimes had a cut and go again. The lake.
3: When you told me you'd always have my back, no matter what.
0: The night in the boathouse.
3: Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so, Rachel just looks tell me what so stunning about. here. I mean, she looks stunning in so much of the film, but she's... Uh, it's really beautiful. This was a challenging location to uh, shoot in because of all the glass, and when you have glass, you get reflections. Um, but you also get depth, and uh, and that's really important. So it takes much longer to set up shots in this kind of an environment, but I think that they pay off. And huge kudos to uh, Rohir and his uh, his team because um, again really careful choreography especially when you're moving the camera on, on the shot when she was walking in um there's just reflections all over the place and we we hid them
3: did i give you your ring back
0: yeah you did i had uh mentioned earlier that um rachel wears several uh wigs in the movie um and this is the third one. The first one was the little bob that we saw at the DMV when they first met. And then uh, there's sort of a short curly or a short a wavy wig that we saw in the loft when he asked her to move in with the blueberries. And then um, this is the, the third wig. Um, and we've already seen it kind of when she was in the art studio and her hair was up. Um, and then later she gets a sort of a waspy makeover. And that's the last one, but... Um, Again, that process of helps explain where the character is. This moment right here, uh, when Scott they kind of hug each other an extra little second, I thought was really beautiful. Something the actors did that really conveyed uh, a real enough. true sort of feeling. When we first screened the movie at the uh, the very first test screening, the, everybody kind of did a ooh <laughs> during that kiss. <laughs> Which I wasn't expecting. So ridiculous to
3: me. Um, I shut everyone out.
0: But uh, but it's understandable, because you're really rooting for her and and for Leo. Feel right. But I also think it's understandable, for for Paige. Actually, it's funny. The the um, it was a couple of days before we started shooting, Channing came to me and he said, um, I have one problem with the script. And I said, Yeah, what is it? He goes. Uh, my sister's name is Paige, is there any way we can change the character's name because it's really weird for me. And I said, honestly, yeah, maybe if you had told me a couple months ago or weeks ago, but I don't think we can change it two days before we start shooting. So, um, you know, we just went with it. Um, this is a scene that, uh, I always thought was, was, was really great, um, visual of all these pictures of her life, uh, which comes back at the end when you hear the Cure song, pictures of you, but, um, we tried cutting it out uh, and doing a, a screening of it, and too much information was was lost. So we reinstated it. Um, we had just tried to cut it for sort of speed and all that um, pacing, but it was important to uh, important to their story. A lot of these are are real photos from the actors' lives, and uh, there's also tons of my own family's uh, personal photographs scattered in here. My cousins and. Um, See, Sherry and photos, Dean and Leo and Sabrina and George. they they provided a whole bunch of them. It was kind of really great.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But what I've been trying to do is pinpoint the last memory I had before everything just went blank.
0: I love the way that she says blank. she says it like blank. <laughs> like, I love that
3: toasted ravioli. I don't I don't remember the
0: like I said, uh, we built those those shelves. Uh, into the loft which i think are just awesome looking they have kind of got these great metal screens on them and uh um <laughs> i ended up buying that table and the chairs because it was like this huge oversized dining table that we uh that we built for the to okay. fill the loft space because it's such a large room okay. that any kind of a standard table just got kind of dwarfed in there and uh i use it uh, at my country house for all my what
3: are you doing
0: my my, my dinner parties <laughs>
3: I'm sorry. Was that, that? Was one of our things?
0: Yeah, kinda.
3: It, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, no. You don't have to say it. You, you don't. It, it, I get
0: it. I really like oh, to, um, to keep doing what we're doing. use Let you fall back compositionally right. use frame within frame, and so we designed this door, um, both that can slide all the way open and uh, and uh, also have the door sort of within the door, and you know it works as a as a metaphor for. You know where they are in their lives, being, and, and it also helps um, hey. focus the eye. Just I think, I think it makes make some pleasing compositions. Yeah, sure <laughs> come on. That's the uh, the alleyway outside the real loft. Um, but then this location that we've seen earlier, this art studio, is um, a different part of, part of town, but uh, meant to be contiguous. And uh, we kind of see now, for the first time, the scale of some of Paige's artwork. And uh, these are all original sculptures that uh, were designed by Kalina Ivanov um, and then uh, rendered by our key scenic uh, Cameron Brooke. And really, I mean, they're huge. They're like over, I think they're like 14 feet tall, these ones. And um, all of uh, Klena and the wall behind Klena really tracked Page's artistic uh, exploration of how she got to, um, what you know, how her work evolved and how she got to these different things, and it's it's kind of a beautiful, beautiful study. Because after that,
1: I couldn't get you out of here.
0: And these are meant to be the the new pieces that she's working on, which are smaller in scale but definitely reminiscent. And we even tested different uh, patinas, like that piece right there behind on the. Left corner of the frame is was a, was we use it as dressing, but it was a, a test of of the sort of uh, copper oxidation process. Um, so there's a lot of thought goes into these into these things. I love this set. This is just a beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's a real location that we dressed, but um, I'm gonna still call it a set. But it really, I just think, is uh, gorgeous. Do do? Wait, and this scene is kind of heart crushing because Leo is trying so hard to help her, but he's just kind of doing the wrong things. Just, uh, and remember, this is for somebody who's had this kind of a head trauma. Loud music and loud talking—it it, it's amplified, and it really. She's again not just being a bitch. She just really—it's—it's it's painful. Physically. And then emotionally, of course, as well.
1: I'm trying to help you.
0: When uh, we did this scene, we did it different levels of, of anger, and some of it was just seething anger, and some of it was, you know, overt anger, and some of it was just compassion. And I just felt it was very important for Leo to have a point in the movie where he kind of loses it. Um, so we went with the. Uh, a bigger version, more overt anger. There's a little uh, cat meow in the alleyway there to do a call back to uh, the cat that she had been feeding, but of course has forgotten about. We'll come back a little bit later at the end of the film with Leo. She's writing a note here basically to tell him that she's leaving he ends up coming home and she she tears it up that
1: little portuguese bakery that you love on the way home and they got us we uh
0: didn't talk before but that uh yeah that portuguese bakery where she had her uh here? where the woman says don't you want your usual and that's what leo's referring to leo well.
3: you know my sister's just up to her eyeballs with this wedding stuff and We've got the engagement party coming up. And
0: we all thought the page could come home and... uh... And This is a moment in the film where, again, it's... kind of a turning point for for Leo. Things are... She's slipping from him, and he doesn't really have any way to... to to hold hold on to her. I think one of the things that he realized uh, later on is that he knows what's sort of going on with... uh, or had gone on with her family, and he could, uh, at any moment, use that play that card um and just come out when you're ready. probably get her to stay or to to get turn her against her family but leo chooses not to do that which i think is um i'm sorry it's just until after the wedding a beautiful thing he explains it later on in a, in a, in a scene near the I'm, end which will i'll highlight but um with my this would be an example of when what? he could he, he, he could get her to stay if, by using this information but he hesitates and he, he doesn't want to win her that Give way. You an awkward hug. <laughs> again, I mean, your heart just. just breaks for, for him. You can feel the pain that he's going through. And, uh. Again, she's. Rachel plays the character as being kind, but detached, which is exactly uh, how, how she would be.
2: Mm, I feel fine. Yeah? Mm-hmm. No dizziness, disorientation, sleepiness? Mm, no. Great. Well, I'm very happy, and your CT scan looks excellent. Oh, <laughs> what a relief. Well, so, uh, your memory...
0: So, again, this is, um, you know, a scene where sort of the family um, dynamics coming out, and Jessica's character is, uh, her name is Rita, and she she feels like uh, things are are going well because, you know, Paige is sort of back to her old self and, uh, okay. but she's taking advantage of the fact that Rachel's forgotten or Paige is forgotten and um, is, I don't know, I think sort of in some way waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for her memory to come back and is, doesn't want to sort of leave her alone. But um, Paige, do you want to your Doctor kind of pushes her out.
2: Yes. Because some patients fear that when their memory comes back so will the memory of the trauma but mercifully that's rarely the case. Oh, no, that's
0: not it. And a lot of these conversations came, or a lot of these dialogue came from conversations that I had with the medical specialists. Uh,
3: I guess I just, I don't know. It's, I mean, what if I don't like the life that I had? Or what if I like it too much? I,
2: I just don't know. I only did one psych rotation, so this may be terrible advice.
0: I think Rachel has one of the most beautiful smiles in Hollywood.
2: You can still decide you want a different life.
0: So genuine.
2: Open yourself up to remembering, I'm afraid.
0: There was a, I think it was this scene. Um, Rachel's a very prepared actress and very, very thoughtful in all of her um, decisions that she makes for the character and how she delivers her lines. And I was looking at the monitor and uh, watching her performance. And I I forget why, but I didn't know what she was doing, and I went in and I said, I know you know what you're doing, but what are you doing? (laughs) Because it didn't seem to be working for me in the context of where it was in the film, and I forgot that we had moved the scene in the script, and it was now before or after. I mean, at this point, I can't remember the order because we can change things in post-production too, but it had to do with the scene with Jeremy when she went and visited him to the office, and it was either before or after in the script. Like I said, at this point, I can't remember. But that's how in control and subtle um, and specific her performance is. Um, And by the way, she was right. I mean, I'm the director, and you'd think I'd know the order of the scenes, but she was dead on right. And I said, "Okay, thanks. (laughs) Glad I asked. (laughs) This was a scene that was kind of difficult uh, for me to, um, it wasn't, I didn't quite shoot it the way maybe I should have. But that was a very important line where he said, "I have to go and make my life, wife fall in love with me again." Um, and so, um, I don't know. I flirted with taking it out of the film, but but it was important for his character to include it. And uh, this is this great party scene uh, in that wide shot. My my father was in there, and uh, my family was visiting this day, so they uh, they got little walk-on roles. And um, the second shot of the scene. My father was at the front of that, but he ended up on the cutting room floor. Sorry, Dad. Uh, But my mom's coming up. (laughs) She plays uh, Dylan Casey's uh, mother right here, the groom, fiancé. Is
1: that bad? Do you listen to Radiohead? Uh Uh-huh. Tom York, he talks about dizzy spells all the time. He says when his... Fingers
0: it's funny, um, different, uh, you know, music can really change a scene. Um, we just sort of have some sort of generic background quartet going on here. But, you know, at one point we put sort of a classical music. Oh, there's my mom. <laughs> I love that Dylan said that there. He goes, uh, hey, hey mom, you listen to Radiohead? He just totally improvised that. And it just cracks me up every time. Um, But uh, the music, yeah, we had put some classical music over it to sort of make the whole thing feel stuffy and ended up just feeling stuffy, so we took it out and put that little quartet in. And, um... What? Your hair. It looks so different. This is the first time that Leo's seen her since her uh, sort of makeover. Um, The idea was that after she was at the hospital with her mom, it kind of hit the salon, and uh, now her hair's got all these highlights, and... She's straightening it. Again, it's all these, like, you know, we could have done a much more dramatic, uh, obvious makeover, but I think one of the things that I like about her transformation is is that it's in kind of pieces, and it's Mark subtle. Quinn,
1: okay, and you probably said to yourself...
0: God, I wish and uh, there's my sister in the background talking to Jessica Mac to me. plays the character of Gwen. Yeah, I guess so. And that's all of my family is in the movie, so <laughs> there won't be any more.
1: Uh, what? you can't remember
0: but again this is a, another big turning a point phone. in the script and this is about uh, yeah, the midpoint but and uh but you know it's very leo has a new plan and everything's taking a new direction from here he's going to ask her out get to experience it all over again
3: like reading your favorite book for the first time
1: exactly gotcha. which is why i want to ask you
0: out on a date
3: ah uh... <laughs> A
0: date this is a house that um was in the suburbs of uh, toronto but it really looks like a house you'd see in, in chicago on I mean, oh, yeah, the outskirts mean, of chicago suburbs but if we go out before then and we did a lot of landscaping and uh, like i said we did some changes to the in- not only do we de- redecorate the interior but we actually paint and right. change colors and it's all uh a lot, a lot of work that you wouldn't necessarily notice but if we didn't do it you would. So I have an idea, but this is uh, Leo well he, he was in the last scene really but you know he's uh, described earlier to um, Tatiana in the uh, recording studio that he's um, you know trying to prep it up a little bit. it's his version. it's not really that preppy but for a musician like him. His version, and uh, this scene here is is so cute. It's like actually one of my favorite moments, and we used it in the trailer. But this, uh, the idea of him being so nervous on a first date, and uh, it, it's worked so well in a one shot without cutting away. Uh, it just works great like that. Again, you see this lighting schematic that uh, that Rohir incorporated, and just uh, really ties together the visual reference that um, I asked him to crazy and you're gonna to uh, use as inspiration. This is the exact parking spot where we first met. I'm going to take you in a little retrospective of us. This. this was uh, <laughs> a tough scene because um, we had these chocolate truffles, and it didn't... Uh, the day we were filming the DMV, the first time they met at the DMV exterior, um, they the prop master brought us a whole bunch of these chocolates for us to see which ones we wanted to use. And of course, I used the opportunity to taste as many as I could. I think I only actually had like four halves. So it was just two truffles, and my. Oh, it's such a stomach ache. And several weeks later, we go to shoot this scene, and it didn't occur to any of us to have the truffles made hollow so these are full real truffles and um Rachel couldn't bite into them because then the chocolate the ganache would end up on her, her tooth and it looked like she was toothless so she had to like eat the basically the whole thing in one bite and they're so rich and you know we're using mul- uh, multiple setups and doing the scene over and over again from different angles and different lenses and different cameras and so by the time they're done with it i think they each ate, had over 20 truffles or something, and on top of that, that's not red wine, that's grape juice, you know, just sugary. So they were, like, zipping and sick to their stomach all at the same time, and it was uh, this little piece that got spit out when she was talking was something that, that really happened on the, on the day, and we kept it in the edit. Um, I, loved, uh, I loved when Melissa kept that in. It really... Um, uh, it was an authentic moment between Channing and Rachel, um, that really mimics the the character, the authenticity.
1: That's not exactly what we. Did.
0: This is um, a, a lake, uh, the lake in Toronto, Lake Ontario, and but we added all of the Chicago skyline uh, in visual effects. We said that we And we haven't done April yet. I like to do. I like to include visual effects that are kind of invisible and seamless, and sometimes out of focus. I I, I think that it makes things feel more believable um, and it really mel- it, it, it helps uh, obscure sort of the lines between what's shot where. Uh, a lot of times people try to make a big deal out of their visual effects shots, but I think that that pulls you out of a film, so I have a different approach. This song that's just started called uh, Come On, Come On is uh, written by Scott Harkiss and um, Stephanie Diasmatis and Randy Post are the music supervisors and I always start from a, a playlist when I'm working on a project and it's inspiration. And, and uh, Stephanie had included the song on it. And uh, as f- soon as I heard it, it just, this the pulsing oh, right. heartbeat, I, it just really resonated with me for this movie and that I knew it would be in the film somewhere, but I, I didn't know where. Uh, and for, at first I actually put it over uh, uh, Gwen's wedding. But then we moved it here, and it just it always lived here. And then later, uh, Nancy Richardson had the really bold idea of, of using it instrumentally to start the movie, and we're coming down the, the sign of the music box. And I had had a lot of trouble trying to figure out what song uh, to set the tone. Uh, so when she made that choice, I just it was like, it was brilliant. It was it just kind of came full circle. <laughs> That was, uh, it was supposed to be really cold that night and it ended up being unseasonably warm. It was like the fourth day of shooting. And we had like a hot tub nearby in case they got cold, but it was totally warm. We didn't need to use it. But uh, we were on the beach and I had my, my dog with me. And when uh, he picks her up and she screams, my dog went, woof. <laughs> he was trying to protect Rachel. I don't know what you're doing. we were doing the, the music, um, one of the to... instruments that I think it's called a Wurlitzer or something like that. Uh, it's kind of this like like spinning drum and it creates this kind of like ooh, 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 sort of a noise wow. and it just felt to me sort of like butterflies uh, in your stomach. And um, and it's like a kind of like an organy sort of a sound. Anyway, we, we use that in here because I thought it mimicked their emotions, especially I mean, both of them being nervous. I mean, kissing, kissing someone you know so well and kissing someone you don't know, I mean, it's just an interesting dynamic here. And so sexy. And I love that flash of his wedding ring behind her head a minute ago. And it's really beautiful. And sexy without being, I don't know, graphic, I guess.
3: Thank you for coming out with me tonight. I had a really nice time.
1: I've missed you.
0: Oh no, don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah, don't go too far. Don't blow it. He's gonna blow it. (laughs) And now she feels uncomfortable and he's kind of undone all the gains that he sort of made in this evening. I mean, it's hard. It's sort of. It's. Even when you're just first dating somebody, if you aren't sort of in sync and one person tries to rush the other person, I don't know, you scare them away. And I think that's, uh. That's what's happened here.
3: Hey! Hey!
0: This was, uh. You again, that same house that Jeremy. we used during the dining room scene, and I was with it was interesting. We went to go scout uh, like it. This actually was already painted this beautiful chocolate, but they had very, yeah, like bright pink oh. furniture in there, and didn't wasn't really reflective of the Thornton family here. So we we redressed the whole house.
3: I've never seen you like this before. I mean, is this? crying thing, the new you, because it's bizarre. I don't know. I don't know what's me.
0: Yeah, earlier in the breakfast scene, uh, I think the vegetarian kind of motif, I think, was something that I had wanted to weave in because, uh, again, it just seemed like something that you could add into your life. I don't eat very much meat and think completely vegetarian during this time, and... uh, I hadn't been a couple years before, so I think that's how the idea came, that I I could forget or somebody could forget that they're a vegetarian. This was the first day of shooting, maybe even the first scene we shot. Um, Super, super hot this day. And uh, (laughs) Channing's, like, sweating through his T-shirt right there. There was a scene that that followed this um, where his friends set him up uh, kind of on a blind date he gets really pissed off and um, he has a great line. He says, um, "Page isn't some girl that I'm seeing. She's my wife. And um, you know, the scene, it, it, it kind of took us a little bit off track because it made us really kind of hate his friends and things like that. And that wasn't necessary, so we cut it out of the movie, but it was too bad that we had to lose that line. And um, this is a—this uh, also a scene that was a bit longer and. There was more dialogue at the end of it, but uh, you know, you just end up shaving things down to their to their essence and, uh, and 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 leaving it at that. But the idea that she's getting a do-over in life is um, important, but she feels like she hasn't earned it. Yeah, here's that same shot that I talked about before that we grabbed kind of on the fly, that exterior um, Chicago establishing shot. I love this music cue so much. That's been my brother-in-law's sculpture behind Channing there. And, uh, you know, this is like the opposite wedding from uh, Paige and Leo. Um, You know, the traditional white bride. It was kind of fun uh, picking out a wedding dress for Gwen. (laughs) A lot of beautiful uh, Beautiful dresses, and they look like a family. I mean, they really—I'm proud of that, of the casting there. And this was a kind of set this whole scene up. And well, gosh, I remember we almost—we uh, were the base camp where the actors got ready was kind of a little ways away from this set, and uh, the light was going down, and we had like minutes to to get that scene, or we were going to lose it—literally lose the light. It was going to go dark, and. um Kind of a bit of a panic. This is another example of where I've uh, brought, brought in the Chicago skyline that's not really there, but done it in a way that I'm not trying to draw very much attention to it. This wedding scene was, I think, beautifully, beautifully uh, done by Kalina and her team. You look like you could use a drink.
2: Uh, <laughs> I've already had some.
0: You haven't had this. Glad we're having a moment alone. I haven't gotten a chance to really talk to you, Leo. Yeah. I think it's important that Leo feels in the beginning of this scene that that uh, Sam Neill's character is uh, trying to bond, when in fact he's really trying to push Leo out of there, out of their lives. This is a great uh, location. It's um, called the Castle Loma. In, uh, in Toronto, and uh, they use it for a lot of film shoots. It's um, a home that was built by a I forget exactly what kind of, uh, like, an industrialist or whatever. I forget how he became so wealthy, but he built it, and then I think he might have gone bankrupt and wasn't able to move into it, but... i uh, not an authority on that, so I might be wrong. But it really felt like a private club to me. And kind of perfect for a... High end. Waspy wedding. You don't care about losing your business, which clearly you don't. What about Paige? What about doing what is obviously the right thing for her? And you know what's right for her. As a matter of fact, I do.
1: You're such a hypocrite. What did you say? If you're such a family man. How come I'm, I never once saw you come and try to put things back together with Paige?
0: I mean, audiences, um, when we tested the film, I really liked that, that, uh, Leo stood up to him here. I mean, again, Leo has the power to blow this whole thing up, and the fact that he's not playing that card, I think, is an important character choice. But as we'll see coming up in this scene, uh, he can kind of only take so much.
2: Hey, can I introduce you around a little bit? I feel good to be the odd man
0: out. It wasn't meant to be much later in the evening, see, so sort of after the dancing here. is. Uh, is winding down, and people are sort of shoeless. I think that woman you can see back there, and ties are loose. And um, Again, it's like subtle things like that that people may not pick up on consciously, but we try to show passage of time that way instead of being really uh, obvious about it.
1: Yeah? Let me tell you what I like. I like the fact that Paige told me everything about you, Jeremy.
0: Okay. I remember Ch- I really like how Channing sort of Mocks him, she imitates uh, she wake up Speedman's character he right back there. Wow. So and puts him know? sort of, uh, instead of being, making the obvious choice know? of sort of being aggressive and defensive, he sort of pretends to befriend him. Well, he's really about to sock him in the face. Look, I get why you're being such a dick. You obviously love her, and you think you're going to get her back. But the thing is, and you know coming up here there there's always you always have a shot list of all the things that you Want to get and inevitably you run behind schedule and things have to be cut here and there and um, We had to bring Scott back in to uh, Pick up the, this next shot um, right here And that's actually Shot in the living room of what's the Thornton's home not right there in the club because uh you know, we didn't have time to get it and realized in editing that we didn't, we really needed it.
1: Ass of myself. Try, literally trying everything possible to try to save what we have. And,
0: and this scene is actually really interesting because originally it was scripted that Paige kind of finally calls it quits. And in the rehearsal process and in sort of living through these characters, both the actors realized that it really you know, and and me really realized that it, it needed to be Leo who finally, um, sort of admits that they have to call it, call it quits. And it, it was, I mean, I think Channing first raised it, but it was, it was, it was important to, that, that it's, that it's Leo that does it and not, and not Paige. But again, sometimes you don't see that when you're just reading it, and when it starts to get up on its feet, you you, you see you see it, the story, you know, slightly differently. So, I think it was a really important change, and I'm grateful that you know that Channing raised it, and that, and that Rachel uh, um, really selflessly um, you know, agreed. Rachel can just be so genuinely emotional. Um, in her performance, I, I think I made the mistake, actually, of, uh, I mean, not that she needs to be more emotional, but it was difficult on her to keep doing the scene over and over again, and I think I made the mistake of shooting Channing's side, you know, shooting his coverage first, Leo. when in fact I really should have shot her first, because by the time it came around to her, One day I she was just really, uh, really emotionally drained. It, it, these scenes take hours and hours and hours, and to keep up your... Not only your energy, but your emotion for that long is, um... It's a really uh, amazing thing to uh, see these actors do that. Seems all... It appears all seamless now, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I love this shot, it's just simple, but... He's so lonely. Channing, um, had to learn to play guitar for this movie, he, uh, he, he hadn't learned before. He, he went as far as to take some um, voice and music lessons just to sort of become more musical and music savvy. And um, the song that he's playing was actually composed by uh, Reed Carolyn, who's uh, Channing's producing partner and best friend. And uh, I think it's a really beautiful tune. And in the scene, um, I love how Rohir here lit this. Um, in the scene, uh, we've got a couple of cameras, um, you know, moving back and forth. And uh, at one point, um, I mean, Channing described this as being one of the hardest scenes in, in the film. Not only does he have uh, quite a long monologue to deliver right here, and not only is he playing guitar, which is something that doesn't come naturally to him, um, I said, I said, you 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 can't cry as when the camera goes behind the actress is back and then all of a sudden be crying on the other side because people are going to think we did a, a trick or, I, was just I don't know, stuck an onion in her eye when no one was looking. Um, but if you were watching the scene at the end, just these, this thing. big L7. crocodile tear comes out of his left eye L7. and then another one out of his right eye all on camera. And it's, I, it's just beautiful. I mean, going back to, like I said, the first time I met him and, um, Realizing how, you know, big of a heart he has, and uh, this scene is is, is uh, proof of that. For a few seconds, and she just... She just sort of exhaled it. It
1: was almost to herself. I love
0: you. One of the things that I love about what Mark uh, and Abby wrote, um, and how they wrote this story, was that not only did we see flashbacks, the beginning of the film, from the heyday of their relationship, between the relationship between Paige and Leo, you also hear stories like this about scenes that you don't see. Instead of him talking about a scene that we've already seen, like oh that that time when we first got married and we had got married in the museum and how great that was, it's not fun to hear about stuff you've already seen. Those are the tears I just talked about. Um, but instead, you hear other stories uh, that we haven't seen, and it just feels like their lives are. Um, you know, bigger than what we we see within the within the frame, and I, I, I like that kind of storytelling. And I think that was uh, that was great what they did. This was uh, in the same art studio, obviously, that we shot the other scenes in. But uh, if you remember, it was packed with set dressing, and uh, we had only this one night to shoot in it. And uh, every single crew member just grabbed something and cleared the set so that we could make the scene the the uh, set empty. And uh, here's the scrap pile that we saw in the earlier part of the film that she said she was saving. And this is a second unit shot that I just love, this reflection of the bean, which is there where they had that kiss after their wedding and tilting up to the tower where he's, you know, signing his divorce papers. It's just kind of crushing. That's not uh, Leah Channing's hand or Channing's handwriting. <laughs> it was a stand-in doing that. There was a, a, a day that I got a message from the assistant directing team that Channing wanted to see me in his trailer, and I was like, "Well, I've never been called to Channing's trailer. I had no idea why it was this day." So I went in, and he goes, "Hey, Wardrobe just told me that I'm shirtless in this scene." He goes, "Isn't that kind of gratuitous?" And I said, yep. <laughs> and uh, then we were on set and he had a T-shirt and he goes, uh, Diana, come on, man, rock, paper, scissors. Hey, and I was like, all right, fine. So we went rock, paper, scissors and I won. Um, and I go, and I said, uh, double or nothing on the p- pajama bottoms. He's like, all right, we'll great. shoot. So boom, you got to keep the fans happy. I never had a chance to... And I like that little beat with the cat, you know, sort of shows some character growth in a small way from when he said earlier that he hates cats. But obviously, you know, he associates the cat with her.
2: I don't mean to open old wounds, but um, I just really
3: needed to say that um, I'm sorry. No, I'm really glad that you said something.
0: And, uh, we first saw her at the uh, character of Diane Chain. We saw her at the nightclub earlier, and again, Paige has you know, forgotten what's... Uh, you know, she, she still thinks of her as a friend until this moment, she understands what's happening, and now she's starting to unravel sort of this um, family secret.
3: I wanted to tell you, you knew. You knew the whole time.
0: I mean, I, you know, obviously the, the, the movie's from Paige's and Leo's perspective, but the idea that you can see how the family would... Um, want to t- sort of take it's selfish but want to take advantage of this accident that she's had to try to make up uh, make up for, for the way that things have gone down and not have her be estranged but it's all so manipulative and when it, the inevitability that, that Paige is going to unravel it is is there and she has it this scene
3: Lying to me. and you've used my accident to, to, to rewrite the past
0: oh, and there you go to rewrite the past I couldn't bear and it was hard to portray them with humanity because it's a terrible thing that, that they've done. But again, in their minds, it seemed justified. And uh, this is a this this performance here of Jessica when she explains to Paige, um, of, of Rita and Jessica Lang to Rachel McAdams Page. Um, you know why she did what she did is i think again understandable it, it takes the i was i was to leave i don't know evil i guess out of out of what she's done d- d- watching jessica lang um act is uh i don't know how to say it it's really a, a special gift if um if you ever get the see her in person, I mean, obviously her performance is is amazing on screen, but when you're watching it just uh, in life, uh, you know, we're we're doing scenes over and over again and we're doing, you know, scenes back to back and the crew is working very, very hard. And sometimes it's easy when the actors are acting to just sort of tune out, not for me, but for for the crew, because that's when they get to take a a break. But, uh, you know, you look up uh, after a take like this and you look over at the crew and, you know, the grips are all like the, coffee's poured on the ground cuz they're just so and their mouths are agape cuz they're just so sort of taken with the depth of of her performance and I mean that that's Jessica Lange she's um she's a legend for a reason and not to leave him for the one thing that he had done I think this might have been a scene too that I um either embellished or rewrote or or whatever but I put myself in Rita's position and I thought well if I were leaving my husband what would I do and I, I felt I would Maybe I, can't figure out I would I look do. around at what I was leaving and I'd see the pictures of my children and my family and I don't know I think that that may stop me I don't know that I just tried to relate to it that was a shot that we sometimes we use stock footage of you know things like that in Chicago that was another one that we actually filmed and we had finished shooting um, a scene that's coming up between Scott. Speedman and and Rachel McAdams and the cameras were broken down and the batteries were taken away and suddenly that boat came down and I yelled at everybody to please rush back and they threw this camera back on the tripod and they stuck the battery back on and boom, they got it in one take. I mean, he was an excellent camera operator that we found in Chicago. I'm I'm sorry. This was a a tricky scene because um, the actors kind of can't exactly yeah, remember some- why but they got a bit hung up on some of the the dialogue and so after we were about oh, okay. to shoot right before we were about to shoot they pulled me aside and yeah. wanted to you know make changes and I think I mean obviously I agreed with them or we wouldn't have done it but it uh took a lot of Why didn't you tell me? I mean it took like an hour and a half or something to just change a couple of lines and you know these things are scripts are you know approved by many different people so anyways a lot of voices and it was very confusing and we we lost a lot of time which is unfortunate because the shooting day isn't all that long to begin with and um, so we ended up filming this with with, with two cameras and it it, it, it really works it's not like that when you're making a movie you know you the director naturally gravitates toward certain themes in the story and um, when you know you're also doing some rewrites on it you you end up including moments of your own life and i remember in some of my past uh, relationships having the feeling of um sometimes um i can be a persuasive person and i feel like sometimes i've won the battle and lost the war meaning that uh, you can't really force somebody um i mean you certainly can't force somebody to love you but you can't force someone to do something that, that they don't want to do and, and i that's the justification of why Leo doesn't play that card. He doesn't want to drive her away from her family. He wants her love, but he doesn't want it that way. He wants to earn it. And um, I just think that's an important sentiment. And uh, I love these cues. These, these music cues were, were hard to get right, um, but um, they really show Paige's, um, okay. the inevitable progression of Paige becoming who she really is, which is, I think, an important metaphor, no. important journey.
3: Why did you do that? I, I thought you were getting engaged. Well, we were, but that was before you. No, that was after me. OK, it was after you, it was before this
0: year. And we shot this in Chicago on the river, obviously, and um, <laughs> I think it was pouring rain, I mean pouring, dumping rain on us in the beginning. I'm just and um, I'm just it the broke, mean. the the rain yeah. broke, and the sun came out for like a minute, and we shot or a couple minutes and we shot one side of the conversation and then the weather changed again when we tried to turn around and shoot, but then we waited and it broke again. But if we hadn't, if it hadn't, the weather hadn't broken, the two sides wouldn't match. They would, one would be dark and one would be light. Anyway, it was, uh, it doesn't sound like that dramatic, but at the time it, it was kind of a miracle that we, that it all cut together. On my own. Are you sure you don't
2: remember breaking up with me the first time? Why? Because it sounded a hell of a lot like that.
0: Everything comes from Rachel's eyes. It's amazing. I mean, they're riveting. Especially on a large screen, you just... I don't know. You can see everything she's thinking. It's really amazing. Hey.
2: I was looking all over. I was worried when i didn't see you outside the library
0: so i uh, i like this line here that uh, sam has
2: how's that intellectual property class going
0: he's like can't engage with her on an emotional level or talk about anything um, of his feelings and so he I just asks her about her, her about coursework it's like such a I've kind of i think a, like a realistic people. approach that sometimes bothers take. and
3: i'm going to get an apartment in the city
2: it's happening all over again, isn't it? Damn it, Paige. I've made a lot of mistakes,
3: Dad. This isn't about you or anything you've done. This is about me— who I want to be, who I am.
0: Again, how this music uh, supports—you know what she's going through—and again the inevitability of becoming herself again and finding her way, and the fact that it isn't. She's not pushed into it uh, by Leo or by anybody else, but it's the natural progression. A moment of impact.
1: A moment of impact whose potential for
0: change has ripple effects far beyond what we can predict. This was a sequence that, um, like the car crash, I don't do a lot of storyboarding, but for sort of very specific sequences I do, as I did for the car crash, and um, you can see those little green bunnies that look they're fornicating on the wall there. Um, but for this sequence I did because it was a shot over m- many different locations over many different days, and all these shots had to, to flow together, so we um, really, you know, mapped them out. I mean, mapped them out really more than storyboarded, but to make sure that it would all feel like a continuous flow. If you, you know, went a different direction or if you, whatever, it would feel it would, it would, uh, jerky. So something that was really well uh, expressly pl- planned out. Um, and then this is another, I- another iteration of, 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 of Paige's artwork that Kalina um, designed and planned out. And I actually have one of, uh, one of the statues that you'll see in the background. One of the sculptures, rather. This was, um, I mentioned earlier when she was watching her own wedding video, that this would come back, and, and and this is what I was talking about. This hairstyle is, if you look at it carefully, it's it's that last wig, the kind of waspy, blondish wig, but it uh, it's wavy again, and it's like she's not taking the time to blow out her hair and all that. It's it's again, it's a small character thing, but those are the things that we think about and kind of track and it's 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 kind of a hybrid version between the way she started and the way that she was in the middle. And um, she's not going back to the person that she was, she's becoming something, a whole new version of herself. Again, I don't know if that makes sense, but that was the idea. That's my handwriting there, Snow Day. <laughs> I love this shot of her stepping into the light and slow motion. I think it's very romantic. The snow is um, all CG snow during the sequence, computer-generated. and was very uh, difficult to get right. It's pretty light in this part, but it uh, starts to get increasingly heavy. And um, it was a challenge.
1: I hope you didn't come all the way into the city for hot chocolate.
3: Actually, I moved back here six months ago. I'm over
0: in Rogers Park. I was speaking uh, with Rachel recently, and um, she reminded me how sort of arc- difficult this scene was um, for her to act because um, yeah, I, mean, I guess, I mean, I won't put words in her mouth, but I guess it was um, getting sort of like the, the nervousness um, of her character, but also the groundedness of where she, her character is in her life at this venture um, was 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 i mean it's essential to the scene, but challenging thing. um and I mean there's that smile again in those eyes I mean it's just these guys are are not for the way chemistry way. between them um I think is palpable <laughs> and um again, the idea that he lets her be who she is and uh, and not force her to be someone else I think is very important. And uh, of mm-hmm. course, this is a callback to the opening scene of the movie, Cuban place right the snow. Everywhere. And this place was the notion here at the end, um, and not yet, yet, but coming up, that that no, no. Uh, that they actually go someplace new and not someplace that they were before, no, 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 um, to, I think is also but... something I, that I, I, I really wanted to make sure oh, that that's yeah. how the film ended. Yeah. And this whole scene is not what you would kind of call your... Typical Hollywood ending. There's no running through the rain to reunite and kiss and spin and all that stuff. And so on the page, you know, I found it to be totally beautiful. And one of the reasons I wanted to do the movie, but it's not. It's not obvious on the page that it'll work. And so I'm very, very proud of the ending um, that it did work. I'm very proud of um, how they acted the scene. So I just think there's a lot of levels to it. And, um, and there's just sort of a magic to it. And you know, we had some m- music there, but it wasn't pure score. Because I think that just would have been too manipulative. But having uh, pictures of you by The Cure come in here, um, it's so nostalgic and typically kind of a breakup song. But in the context of this movie, the lyrics almost feel custom written for The Vow. Um, And that whole shot is, 90% of that shot is CG. The entire train track, the train, the skyline, all the buildings on the left. The only thing that's really real is the stuff sort of on the right and in the little foreground on the left, Um, Mr. X did that shot as well. And um, did an amazing job, it's very convincing. And this is uh, the real real family, Kim and Cricket and their children, Um, and uh, she never did regain her memory, but they did uh, remarry. And I think that uh, you know Kevin Cricket would uh, appreciate me telling everyone that uh, you know her parent they never got divorced, that her father didn't have an affair, but all of those things were um, used to further the narrative story. But um, they uh, they did fall back in love, and they're together today. And they came to the the premiere of the film and. Um, I think they're proud that, uh, that they inspired um, this love story. Anyway, I'm uh, Michael Susi, the director of The Vow, and uh, thanks for spending this time with me, and uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you found it interesting. It sort of felt like a Q&A with no, no questions, but uh, I hope I gave you some answers. Take care.